Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 494 of the Talking Cars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is October 18th, 2023. It is the second show of the day, double show day. Um, the reason why I'm doing a second show today is because I wanted to touch on Jim Bowden's article that he wrote in The Athletic this week about five possible fits for Juan Soto if the Padres decided to move on from him. There was also some news regarding the gold glove for 2023, the finalists for some positions, all of the positions, but a couple Padres were named on that. So I want to give my thoughts on that. And then also continuing some of the player reviews and the player reviews that I'm going to be doing in this show, obviously did some earlier in the day. I did Josh Hader, Robert Suarez. But I also want to do Seth Lugo and Nick Martinez just to continue to move along these player reviews. So let's first get started here with Jim Bowden's athletic article. And he wrote this this week. And there's already this Juan Soto talk. And if anyone is tired of it already, well, I don't know what to tell you because it's going to continue to happen because the offseason hasn't even started yet. And I think it is a possibility that the Padres do trade Juan Soto because I think that they feel like they could sell it to the Padres fan base. I don't think that they could, but their minds think differently than the fans' minds do. And I, I know that sucks sometimes, but they think differently than the fan base does. The fan base, me included, I'm going to sit here and be like, there's no way you can sell that to us, that this Padres team is going to be as good. They're actually going all in on 2024 if you trade away the best hitter on the team and Snell's going to walk and Hader's going to walk, you can't tell me that you're going all in on the 2024 season like you were on the 2023 season, right? This past year, obviously they didn't make the postseason, but you cannot sell that to me, but they probably think that they could because they could say, we weren't going to sign Juan Soto in free agency. So we wanted to get back guys that can help us this year, major league pieces and top prospects because they could get, top prospects back 
or a top prospect back in someone's farm system, probably. Maybe not the number one prospect, but I think that they could get at least a top 10 prospect in someone's farm system. And then they could get some major league talent on top of that, maybe some controllable major league talent. And they would try to sell that and be like, we already have a talented team. Yes, Juan Soto is very talented, but we believe in the other talent that we have. We believe in the other talent that we're bringing in in this offseason. Um, we still have Tatis, Musgrove, and Darvish, and Suarez, and Manny, and Bogarts, and Cronoworth, and Kim, and blah, 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 right? Um, I think they would try to sell it like that. But for me, again, as a fan, not thinking the way that I try to put myself in their shoes, but it's obviously impossible because I've never had that experience. I try to. I just, if I was in their shoes, yeah, that's how I would try to sell it if a deal does get done, if they do end up trading Juan Soto. But I would just, as a fan, I, I cannot be sold on that if they do deal Juan Soto. But Jim Bowden in The Athletic, he wrote a piece about this. And he wrote down five teams that he think he thinks that could be fits in a Juan Soto deal. So I want to get to this article. And before I go to the three, to the uh, not the three, the five teams that are in this, he starts it out by saying, as the postseason plays out and the offseason nears, let's look ahead to a big trade storyline to watch. Will the San Diego Padres move Juan Soto? Why is he writing this article in the middle of the postseason? I don't know. He could have saved it probably for the end of this postseason. Like, what's the point in writing it now? I don't really understand that. Um, but he does. And for anyone that doesn't know who Jim Bowden is, he is a former GM. He was the former GM of the Cincinnati Reds. And I believe he was a former GM of another team as well. I think, was it the Nationals? It might have been the Nationals. But I know he, he used to work with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and he lists Soto and his accomplishments from the 2023 season, Padres' best position player, arguably the Padres' best position player from this season, 35 home runs, 109 uh, runs batted in, 12 stolen bases, led the majors in walks for the third time in his career, played 100, all 162 games, and then he says, personally, I would sign him if possible. He says, He's one year away from free agency. Padres likely must decide whether to extend or trade him this offseason and are keeping both options on the table, which that's what they should do. Even if you think that they shouldn't trade Juan Soto, they should still keep the option of trading Juan Soto on the table because that's just what your job is as the GM, as the president of baseball operations. Your job is to keep all options open because you just don't know what can happen you don't know what team will offer you something that it's like, man, I can't deny this. You keep everything open. So I understand that. But interesting, likely Padres likely must decide whether to extend or trade him. The other option is just keep him in 2024. And then he walks in free agency and leaves, which I would be fine with still. Even if you don't get something back for Juan Soto, all you get back is a draft compensation pick or whatever the, the prize is. The, the return you get for someone walking in free agency, um, I would be fine with that because they meant that they, or that would mean that they tried in 2024 to go all in. Again, and I'm going to repeat this. They're not going all in, regardless of what they tell you. They're not going all in on 2024 if they trade Juan Soto. I just don't see how you can realistically think that the Padres are going all in in 2024 if they trade Juan Soto. 
to extend Soto, Bowden says the Padres must be prepared to pay him more than the 15-year, $440 million contract the Washington Nationals offered him last year, obviously. And for me, sitting here right now, just reading some reports and all that, like I just don't see that the Padres will end up getting to the number that Scott Boris and Juan Soto want, which I think it would be $500 million at least, because they know that free agency is still an option. And Juan Soto... Scott Boris, they believe in Juan Soto. Soto believes in himself that going into a walk year, he can perform and he can earn himself that $500 million contract because the market keeps increasing. All it takes is one team to be super desperate to give Juan Soto what he wants if he has an amazing 2024 season, right? Um, So here we go. Here are the teams. The New York Yankees. The Boston Red Sox, Seattle Mariners, San Francisco Giants, and Cleveland Guardians, which the last one there, the Guardians, I kind of laughed at when I was reading this the other day. Uh, But yeah, Yankees, and I don't know if these are deals that Jim Bowden would do or he's just throwing out names that would probably have to be included in these deals. Are these names that these teams would be willing to give up in a Juan Soto deal? Are these names that the Padres would want in a Soto deal? Or names that they like? Like, is he getting information from some of these teams? Or is this him just looking at MLB pipeline or whatever, the the top prospect lists for these teams and just picking out some of the top prospects on those lists? Or some of the positions of need for the San Diego Padres and being like, no, that would fit without talking to these teams. Maybe he's just doing that. And hey, he got a lot of people to click on the article. So, uh, you know, good job for him. So his number one team was the New York Yankees. Says the Yankees have the resources to sign Soto long-term if the move works out, or they could trade him at the 2024 deadline if things go south. They could offer the Padres a package of major league-ready talent, which I think is important if you're trying to go all-in for 2024. But again, like I said, if you trade Juan Soto, I don't think that you're actually going all-in for 2024, even if you get back major league-ready talent, because Juan Soto is one of the best hitters on the planet. Um, he lists pitchers Michael King, Johnny Brito, outfielder Everson Pereira, who I believe is the number three prospect in the Yankees system, and infielder Oswald Peraza. Infielder Oswald Peraza, yes, he's been one of the top young players in that Yankees farm system, but how many more infielders do the San Diego Padres need? Outfielder Everson Pereira, okay. Michael King, Johnny Brito, okay. You know, those are, I don't know a ton about those guys, but pitchers, uh, I would think that those are controllable, major league ready pitchers there in Brito. And my, I do, I have heard of Michael King, uh, but Michael King is not someone, at least to me, from what I've seen from him, some of the numbers that I've seen from Michael King, um, he doesn't seem like he would be an ace for this Padres team. And if you're going to trade Juan Soto, that's what I want. And now maybe Brito would be that guy, but someone like Michael King, that wouldn't do it for me if I were the San Diego Padres. He had a, okay, he had a sub three ERA this year, so it was a little bit better than I actually thought it was. How many starts did he make? Nine. So most of his outings were out of the bullpen. So the Padres, would this be like a Seth Lugo situation where the Padres would convert him back into a starter? And you hope that it works. He, he has pitched 
for five, well, technically what? How many years of control would he have left? Two or three, probably? Because he has pitched for years for the Yankees. 2020, nine games. 2021, 22 games. 34 games in 2022. And then 49 games this past season. So he, he, he would have, I think, multiple years of control left. But I don't know. I think that's, if I'm the Padres, I want someone better back. I want someone headlining that deal. I want that person to be someone like Jason Dominguez. Now, I know Jason Dominguez is probably going to be out for most of next season because I think he got Tommy John surgery, which is obviously unfortunate to that young guy's career. But he was being compared to Mike Trout when he was, like I think, first brought into the Yankees organization. And I know Soto, he doesn't have multiple years of control. It's just one. But the Yankees would have the chance to give him an extension if they traded for Juan Soto. Right. I want someone like Jason Dominguez, because remember, from where I'm sitting from as a fan, I don't want to give up Juan Soto. So if other teams want Juan Soto, they're going to have to make me give up Juan Soto. And what I mean by that is make me be like, I can't pass this up when there's some when some of these players that are named in this Jim Bowden article. I'm like, I can pass on that. Now, would the Yankees be offering King, Brito, Pereira, and Peraza to the Padres, all of them for one year of Juan Soto? Because that would be a lot, I think. But still, someone like Jason Dominguez, like that's where it's like, if, if you're not going to include Jason Dominguez, then I'm going to go all in for 2024 and see how it works out with Juan Soto. Because remember, the Padres traded for Juan Soto knowing that the risk was you'd lose him in free agency. But they were fine with doing that because they wanted three pennant races with Juan Soto. So for them to trade him, you better get something really good back because you're giving up one heck of a talent if you do deal Juan Soto. And you only got one pennant race out of Juan Soto and you didn't get to the World Series in the one pennant race that you got Juan Soto in. And that one pennant race that you were in with Juan Soto was not a year that it looked like this was the year of, you know, they were destined to go to the World Series. No, they beat the Dodgers, they beat the Mets, but there was no Tatis. There was no Bogarts yet. This was the first year with Juan Soto. These next couple years, 23, 24, those were, in my opinion at least, those were supposed to be the years where it was like, okay, Tatis is back. They've got all this talent. Soto's here. Tatis, Manny, didn't know about Bogarts yet, but now you add him to it. Like, okay, this is it. You know, Musgrove's in his prime. These are the years right here. So, yeah, it would be very disappointing if they traded Juan Soto. And it's it's something where I, I want to be blown away for them to trade Juan Soto. And so, for me, it's like, yeah, Jason Dominguez, that's that's the guy. I don't know a ton about Everson Pereira, so um, maybe I should dig more into him. And maybe that would be like, or maybe I would think, oh, no, I'll take Everson Pereira, actually if the Yankees don't give us Jason Dominguez. But right now, I am very strict on what I would allow. If, and this is me, like, if I was A.J. Preller. So the Yankees are one team. The Boston Red Sox are another team that is mentioned here. Uh, the Red Sox need to make a splash this offseason, and a Soto trade would certainly qualify. It would also take some of the pressure off of the young players they're developing, including Tristan Casas, Jaron Duran, uh, Sedanye Raffaella, don't probably just botch that name. Apologies. 
A potential Red Sox package could start with Alex Verdugo, who would immediately become the Padres' starting left fielder. Add in starting pitcher Tanner Houck, who the Padres, there were some rumblings there this past offseason, and a couple good prospects such as outfielder Miguel Blyce and right-hander Luis Perales. Can you imagine Verdugo being a centerpiece in both the Betts and Soto trades? I can't either, but with Soto having only one year of control remaining, it obviously reduces the return significantly. Yes, but if, I'm sorry, if Verdugo is the guy that is headlining this deal, that's another one. Because Verdugo is a free agent after this coming season. I can double check that, but I'm pretty sure Alex Verdugo, let me look up Verdugo's contract. He is a free agent at the end of the 2024 season. So you're trading Juan Soto, who's a free agent at the end of the year, for a worse player as like your starting outfielder? No, you're not doing that. Like, again, going back to my Yankees point, I got to be blown away. And Alex Verdugo does not blow me away. Yeah, Ar- Ar- he's his final year of arbitration, arbitration year three, coming up in 2024. Like, no, not doing that. It's not happening. Alex Verdugo is not going to be headlining the deal. If he had three years of control and you saw something there, now the Padres could bring him in and give him a new contract, but Alex Verdugo is not Juan Soto. And I, now I know the Padres, if you trade Juan Soto, you're not going to get back Juan Soto in a deal. So you, they do have to understand that as well, and I'm sure that they do understand that going into this offseason. But... Yeah, I'm just, I got to be blown away here. And the Red Sox, that's not that for me. Marcelo Meyer, he's someone, uh, I think he's from San, I think he went to Eastlake. That's someone where it's like, okay, you're, now you're talking. But he's also an infielder. How many more infielders do the Padres need? Does it, does it fit, right? Seattle Mariners are the third team here. Mariners have one of the best young rotations in baseball. With Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Curry, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Emerson Her- Hancock, excuse me, and Robbie Ray. They have impact arms at the back end of their bullpen with Andres Munoz, Matt Brash, yes, we know, former Padres, and Justin Topa. However, they just don't have enough offense in their lineup to overtake the Astros or Rangers in the AL West. A Soto trade would immediately, uh, or excuse me, a Soto trade would change that immediately as Seattle could put the three-time All-Star between Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez in its lineup. The Padres, or excuse me, the Mariners are blessed with enough starting pitching to offer Miller, Bryce Miller, and one of their top five prospects, either outfielder Gabriel Gonzalez or catcher Harry Ford in a two-for-one deal for Soto. So you look at those names, and there's some appealing names there, and you, you mentioned one of their top prospects, or Bowden does, in Gabriel Gonzalez, Harry Ford, I think, is their number two prospect. He is someone that is, uh, I think, a well-thought-of catcher around baseball. Uh, I think he played for Great Britain in the WBC. I, I think I remember that name. Seems talented. But is he going to provide an immediate impact to the 2024 San Diego Padres? Because 2024, that's got to be a year, especially coming off of 2023, that's got to be a year you got to go try to win. Like that, this needs to be a big point in this 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 Juan Soto discussion this offseason. Is you have to try to win in 2024. You didn't even make the postseason in 2023. It was a failure of a season. 
Manny's not getting any younger. Bogarts, not getting any younger. Musgrove, not getting any younger. Darvish, not getting any younger. Obviously, all of these guys aren't. But you know why I'm mentioning those guys' names. Like, long-term contracts, you lock these guys down for these years. So, to give up on a year, if you bring in young talent that's not going to really impact your team in 2024, you don't have Juan Soto on your team. Again, I go back, like, you can't sell that to your fan base. So, all of these all of these names that are being listed here, it's like, these names don't blow me away. And maybe Yankees fans would be like, no, those names, Everson Pereira, uh, Michael King, those should blow you away for one year of Juan Soto. Okay, but if you're the Padres, you you should be like, no, 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 we dictate it here. Not you, we dictate the names. We're telling you, these are the names that will allow us to trade Juan Soto. These are the names that blow it away for us. You don't offer us those names, you're not getting it. There's no, oh, you, you add in a couple more prospects and we'll agree to a deal. No, we got specific names, specific amazing talent. Those are the guys. And if you don't give it to us, you're not getting Juan Soto. And maybe someone else will. That's what the Padres should be doing here with these Juan Soto discussions that they will have with teams in the offseason. I do think that they will be talking with other teams. You will be seeing those reports about, oh, Team X checked in with Juan Soto. Oh, mystery team checked in on Juan Soto. Oh, AJ Preller and the Padres. They're listening on Juan Soto. These teams have are, are interested or would be interested. You're going to see that in the offseason because Soto's projected to make, I think, $33 million this coming year. Padres want to get the payroll down. That's one easy way to get the payroll down to where they want it to go is to trade Juan Soto. But do you care more about getting the payroll down? Now, what I have seen a little bit is like they have to, like Major League Baseball like is making them get the payroll down. Uh, the like the debt stuff, like they have to get the payroll down. But is it more important to get the payroll down to somewhere that you don't absolutely need it to? Like if it's not mandated, is it more important to get the payroll down or is it more important to try to win? For a fan base that sold out the ballpark almost every game at Peco Park in 2023 and got disappointed in a lot of those games. And they got disappointed just overall in the season. Is it more important for Peter Seidler to get the payroll down or for him to try to go all in and win in 2024 when he doesn't know how much longer he's going to be living as the chairman of the San Diego Padres team? I hope it's for the next two decades or however long, right? I want him to continue living on, on, and on, and on. But life is, you just don't know. It's its some unexpected things can happen. So that's another important question here. The San Francisco Giants, the fourth team listed here. And the Giants are a team where it's like, okay, so I don't want Juan Soto to be traded, period. And then you want to trade him to a, a team in your division in the NL West. No, thanks. A team that could have Shoei Otani on it as well or could have Blake Snow on it as well. No, thanks. You're really going to have to blow our socks off with this. And yes, that would mean giving the San Diego Padres their number one prospect, their lefty, Kyle Harrison. It would have to start there. Um, Walker Martin, shortstop Walker Martin was mentioned here, the second round pick in the 23 MLB draft. By the Giants, outfielder Luis Matos, or Matos. Um, I, keep, 
I keep I keep thinking of Matt Latos, so that's why I see it. I know it's not Latos, it's Matos or Matos, whatever it is, but I keep thinking of Matt Latos, former Padre. If you know, you know. If you were there back then, um, sometimes he was pretty fun to watch. Had some good outings. Anyway, getting back to this Giants thing here. Like, Kyle Harrison is a must. Yep. You want Juan Soto? I don't care if it's just for a year. Guess what? You get the chance to give Juan Soto whatever money he wants as well if you have Juan Soto for that entire year. So, uh, no, you're you're going to have to give us Kyle Harrison. And more than that. Now, getting back to the Juan Soto thing, like you, you're trying to win in 2024, right? If you trade Juan Soto, that's not helping your case. You better get some Major League ready talent back. So who would the Padres want from the San Francisco Giants? If they're getting Kyle Harrison, who else? Who else are they going to demand from the Major League roster of the Giants? Because that Major League roster, remember, there's not a lot of stars on that Major League roster. Would they want Yastrzemski? Would they want Yaz? Would the Giants be willing to give up Kyle Harrison and Yaz? That feels like a lot for one year of Soto when they could just go try to get him in free agency. And do they think that they're going to be a World Series contender next season after missing the playoffs this year? Don't know. You know don't, they don't even know who their manager is going to be. So we'll see what happens there with the manager situation. But yeah, all of these deals, they have, I keep saying this. I know you're probably already tired of me saying this, but I have to be blown away if I'm AJ Preller to make a move like this. Because I said at that press conference when we acquired Juan Soto, we're getting him for three pennant races. And you can't get three. It better not be one. Unless you get someone like a Jason. If the, if the Padres trade Juan Soto to a team that's not in the National League, like the Yankees, they get back someone like Jason Dominguez. I know he's hurt, but they get someone like that back and then maybe some other Major League talent or they can trade for other Major League talent. You could, you know, I, I could buy that a little bit more. I I couldn't, I probably still won't buy them going all in for 2024 because they wouldn't be, in my opinion, if that was the move. But I, w- I would be excited that Jason Dominguez was a Padre. I would, and it's no guarantee that the Padres bring back Juan Soto if he goes to free agency as a Padre after playing next year. But it's also not a guarantee Jason Dominguez ends up turning into the next Mike Trout like he was being compared to when he was in his early days in the minor leagues with the New York Yankees. And I don't want to live in that regret. Like, what if we had Juan Soto in 2024? Would the Padres have made it to the World Series? Would they have won the World Series? What would have happened? Right? I don't want to have those what if. I don't want the Padres. I don't want Peter Seidler. I don't want A.J. Preller to have those what ifs. The Guardians are the fifth team here. Bowden writes, will you stop laughing and let me explain? I laughed when I saw the Guardians, and I was like, okay, sure, explain. He says the Guardians have built a young, talented, and inexpensive starting rotation of Tristan McKenzie, Tanner Bibby, Logan Allen, Padre, Gavin Williams, uh, along with a strong bullpen led by Emmanuel Classe, former Padre, Sam Henches, and Trevor Stefan. What they're missing is impact hitters. A trade for Soto would drastically improve their chances of making the playoffs next year, by bolstering the middle of their lineup beyond Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor. Okay, what I would say to that, though, is are the Guardians acquiring Juan Soto and giving up a bunch of talent? Are they doing that when they're a a low payroll team, smaller market team, at least from 
you know, basing it off of how much or how not much their ownership spends. Is that the best fit? So they're going to trade for Juan Soto just so that they can increase their chances of making the postseason. If they have Juan Soto and the Cleveland Guardians, are the Guardians the favorites to go win the AL Central next year? I still don't think so. I think it would be the Minnesota Twins still. So just to increase your chances of making the playoffs, you're going to acquire Juan Soto. A team that's going to acquire Juan Soto is doing it because they think that they can extend him, which the Guardians obviously would not do. They, they weren't going to give Francisco Lindor what he wanted. You're not going to give $500 million or 480 or whatever to Juan Soto, right? Um, so no, that doesn't fit there. You're not going to extend him. Where these other teams, you can make a case, oh, maybe they have the money. They would make uh, maybe a competitive offer for Juan Soto. And the Padres side here, the Guardians could potentially swap their ace Shane Bieber, who, by the way, is a free agent at the end of this coming season, 2024. So I want someone that's, you know, Shane Bieber, okay, yes, you are going in. You're, you're trying to win because you require Shane Bieber for 2024. But, and Bowden mentions here Shane Bieber and Stephen Kwan. Okay, but Stephen Kwan, while he could be a good leadoff hitter, you're sacrificing, he's not going to get on base as much as Juan Soto, right? He's not as seen as much as a, a threat at the plate as Juan Soto, right? So, you know, Stephen Kwan, I think he would have multiple years of control. Yes, he was a rookie, I think, last year. Multiple years of control, but Shane Bieber does not. That's a guy I want multiple years of control, and he could just go to free agency, right? Stephen Kwan, you're probably you're losing offensive value, and while that would be a a good piece, let's look at his numbers. Let's look at Stephen Kwan's numbers, because I do remember he was like getting on base like every game to start off his. His big league career, 3.6 war this year. His OPS plus, though, was literally league average. It was at 100. His OPS was not that impressive, 710. Gets on base, but there's no power there. Five home runs. So are you just adding another guy who didn't have a ton of power to the Padres lineup? And you're giving away a guy that just hit 35 home runs in 2023 and a guy who is very motivated very motivated probably to have an even better year in 2024. Even getting Shane Bieber and Steven Kwan, like for me, that's not really blowing my socks off. If I'm trading Juan Soto, it's not. So the Guardians won. I don't think that they would want to trade for Juan Soto. And for the Padres, that's not a deal that I would do. Wasn't Shane Bieber hurt? Didn't he deal with injuries last year as well? I'm looking on baseball reference. I don't think that shows injuries, but I'm looking at his 380 ERA and 21 starts last year. 128 innings compared to 200 innings the year before. So, yeah, definitely was not as good as he was in 2022. He was an all-star in 2021. The short season 2020 won the Cy Young. Um, so a little bit of a step back last season. So, you know, there would be a question mark of, how would he perform in 2024 if he were a San Diego Padre, you know? So if I'm looking at these teams, Guardians, Giants, Mariners, Red Sox, and Yankees, the Yankees are probably the team that's the most appealing to me 
to make a deal with. The Guardians, no. The Giants, no. I don't want him in the division. And I'm not so sure the Giants would want to include Kyle Harrison in a trade when they could just go sign Juan Soto in free agency after 2024. Now, they, the Padres could get an extension done with Soto. I just don't see that happening. So may, And they probably don't feel like they're, they can go win the World Series next year. Now, if they land Otani, maybe they go all in and try to go get, you know, they, they go get Soto and they'll, they're willing to give up top prospects and everything because they have Otani. Uh, but even Otani, if they had Otani next year, he's not pitching as well. He's not at full health. Uh, maybe they just go get Snell, wait for Soto. The Giants could be scary here in a couple years. The Mariners, there is some talent there. Um, I'd probably put them second. I'd probably put Yankees and then the Mariners. In terms of my interest among these five teams that Bowden lists here. But, I mean, as I talked about with the Yankees, Jim Bowden, Jason Dominguez was not included in that. That doesn't, it's not going to do it for me. Yankees fans, if you're listening to this or watching this, let me know in the comments. Is Now, you might be tricking me. You might be saying, no, Ben, <laughs> yeah, Everson Pereira, Michael King, yeah, you should want that. That's a great deal. But you yourself actually know that it's not. Um, but, you know, be honest. Do you think that that would actually be, like, good for one year of Juan Soto? Uh, Everson Pereira, Michael King, probably a little bit more than that. Would that be a good deal? Mariners, Giants fans, anyone that was listed in this article here, let me know if you think that any of those names that Jim Bowden mentioned, you think that that's actually like a fair deal for the Padres if they were to trade Juan Soto. I don't want them to trade Juan Soto. I don't think that that's a good idea. But this Soto talk, it's just the start. So be prepared. There's going to be more Soto talk on this channel. You're going to hear more Soto talk on the radio. You're going to be seeing it in articles from other writers and trade proposals and other teams seeing, oh, this team is would be interested in Juan Soto. And then those fans going nuts. Can't wait to see Juan Soto in a Red Sox uniform, stuff like that. Uh, I just saw Jared Carabas the other day saying how Juan Soto would love, to, he really wants to be on the Red Sox because he was dancing, I think, in the same room as like Rafael Devers or something. Uh, that's just the way it's going to go. So Soto is ours for now, and I hope the Padres can make him a a good offer this coming off season. Because I think having Juan Soto on this baseball team helps the Padres win baseball games. Uh, but you know, we'll see how it goes. All right. Before getting to the Gold Glove stuff, a quick break. Check out Gaglion Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gagleonbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. Also, today, Ha Sung Kim and Fernando Tatis Jr. were named finalists for the Gold Glove in the National League. Ha Sung Kim was named a second baseman finalist and utility finalist. Him and Mookie Betts, and I think there's one other were in the utility category. In the second base category, it was Ha-Sung Kim, Nico Horner, and Bryson Stott. I know a lot of Padre fans might not like this opinion, and they're going to say that Ha-Sung Kim deserves it, 
but they're not watching Chicago Cubs games every day, and I'm not either. But I am looking at some of the numbers, and I would say that Nico Horner probably deserves it a little bit more than Ha-Sung Kim as like a second baseman. Ha-Sung Kim's probably getting a little bit penalized because he played other positions, but that's why he's also in the utility role. So I think he should win a gold glove. I think he should win it over Mookie Betts in the utility role, and Nico Horner probably should win in the the uh, the second base role. Uh, now, you probably want stats to back that up. You're like, Ben, so you're just going to uh, say that someone else, not a Padre, should go win that award. Okay, so I'm going to give that to you right now here. Um, where is it here? So I'm going to outs above average on baseball savant, second baseman. I don't think I put a minimum inning on here. Nico Horner is at 14 outs above average. And Hassan Kim is at seven. Nico Horner is at 10 runs prevented, according to Baseball Savant, and Kim is at five. So those aren't the only numbers to look at, but those are just some quick numbers that I saw. And it was like, yeah, I mean, going into this year, people were talking about how Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner, that's the best defensive middle infield in baseball. So I definitely knew like that, you know, Nico Horner, talented defensive player. And, you know, looking at Hassan Kim, if you compare him to someone like Mookie Betts, I was looking at Mookie Betts' outs above average in right field this year, and it's like negative one. And I say that because he was a nominee with Fernando Tatis Jr., a finalist. Lane Thomas, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Mookie Betts are the three right field finalists. Tatis, if he doesn't win this, there might be a riot in San Diego. I know the gold glove, that's not the World Series. And look, the thing that matters the most this season is that the Padres didn't make the postseason. And so this season is a very disappointing season. It is a failure of a season. And if someone doesn't win this award, Tatis doesn't win, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I've lost sleep plenty enough over the Padres' disappointing season this year. It's an individual award. And, you know, I was listening to John Schaefer on the radio earlier, and he was like, I, I don't want really 2023 to be looked at in a positive light. Now, I think Tatis deserves this award, though. So I want him to win the award for him. But And I want Blake Snow to win the Cy Young, for example, for him. I want Hassan Kim to take one of these gold gloves home for him because I think that they deserve it. But I'm not going to cry too much. I'll probably cry a little bit on social media and be like, like these guys deserved it but I'm not going to be pissed off for days about it because what matters the most is the team. And so if these players get their personal accolades, I'm not going to, I don't know. I just, I don't have this amazing feeling about it. You know, I want it for them because they deserve it. Tatis put in work. Kim puts in work. These guys put in a lot of work to improve defensively. You know, the guys that are at the top of the game, they're not at the top because they sit and, you know, sit on the on the couch and they don't work on their defense. No, they, they work on it. So I think Tatis, first year in right field, what he did this year, I want him to, to win the award. But if he doesn't win it, or even if he wins it, like I'll be happy for him if he wins it, or uh, it'll suck if he doesn't win it, and I'll make a video or do an episode like the Gold Gloves a joke, and all that, like last year, Manny wasn't even nominated. 
I think like that's a joke, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not going to talk about it for a week continuously if they don't win an award because what we care about the most is if the Padres won. And bottom line, they didn't win this year. Uh, but going back to the right field thing here, Betts, Tatis, Thomas. It should be a landslide, Tatis winning it. If I go back to baseball savant, right field position. Look at where Mookie Betts is. And I, I guess I could look where Lane Thomas is as well. I'm trying to find Lane Thomas's name here. And it's 28 at negative three on outs above average. Runs prevented, minus three. Mookie Betts is at minus one in right field this year. Minus one in outs above average. Fernando Tatis Jr. is at 10 runs prevented. 11 outs above average. First place among all right fielders, not just the National League, all right fielders in outs above average. If you go to defensive runs saved, I was looking this up as well. This is among all right fielders as well. 29 total runs saved, according to uh, fieldingbible.com. I just looked up defensive runs saved leaderboard. That's, I think, the first link that showed up. Tatis, 21, 20, 29, excuse me, total runs saved. The next guy on that list is Alex Verdugo and Ramon Laureano at nine. Absolute blowout. Mookie Betts is not in the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Not top fourteen in this list. The screenshot that I took and posted on Twitter. He's not in the top, and neither is Lane Thomas, by the way. So I mean, this this should be a a landslide. Tatis should definitely win this. If he doesn't, you know, like I said, it's gonna suck. But I'll move on because what matters the most is this team winning. This team getting better in the off season. That's where my main focus is, not on if someone gets their individual award. Like, I want it for themselves, where the team winning, that's for the team. Like, you're happy for the team, but it's also for all of us as well. Because it's not like an individual award. It's a team. It's a city coming together. You know, like, it's just different. There's no parade for a gold glove or an MVP, right? The parade is for the World Series. That's what we care about the most. So, November 5th, I believe, is when the gold glove will be announced, so stay tuned for that. I think that's going to be on ESPN November 5th. Tatis and Kim nominated. They are finalists in the Gold Glove. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest, the better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. 
That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, on to the player reviews. Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo are the two names here in this episode to review their season. Let's start off with Nick Martinez, a 1.4 F4 in 63 games. Nine of those were starts, 110 and a third innings, 3-4-3 ERA, a 1-2-6-0 whip, 106 strikeouts, 40 walks, 12 home runs, and three hit batters. Positives from Nick Martinez, team player. I think I mentioned this on the show earlier today, the, the first show that I did today, the first player reviews that I did. Nick is one of those guys that I want more of on this Padres team. Guys that are willing to take the ball in any situation. Bomel needs you to start. Yes, sir. Relieve for most of the season. Sure. Multiple innings out of the bullpen. One inning out of the bullpen. Sure. I mean, this. remember, this was a long time ago, so I don't know if people re- re- recall this, but he was on Team USA's World, ba- World Baseball Classic team. He started a game in Arizona. and. He was in Miami with Team USA. I think Mark DeRosa let him know that he was going to be used out of the bullpen probably for the rest of the tournament, or at least for at that point in time where they were at in the tournament. They didn't need him as a starting pitcher. And he said, thanks, but no thanks, essentially. He came back to Peoria for spring training because he needed to keep himself ramped up and in progression so that he could be a starter and be ready for his team to start the season. And the World Baseball Classic, it's not the World Cup, obviously, or anything like that, but that is a huge thing for Nick Martinez. Playing for Team USA, you just knew, if you were listening to him talk to the media and seeing the the visuals, you knew how much it meant to him pitching for Team USA and how much he wanted to do it. But he viewed the Padres as that priority, and I love that. I love that about him. And it just seems like he is a great teammate. I remember earlier this year, he was wearing the Tatis uh, fake hair in the dugout. Like, it seems like he is a great character, a great teammate, clubhouse guy, team player, right? And there were times where he pitched pretty well this season. And he was able to do whatever the Padres asked of him. Did he struggle out of the bullpen at times over the summer? Yes. Were there times on my pregame thoughts or postgame reaction where I was like, why is Nick Martinez pitching in high leverage situations? You know he's going to give up a home run. Yes. But it's a long season. And in May and September, combined 36 innings, he posted a sub-160 ERA in both of those months. 
And if I'm going to go back, let's go back and look at some of his other months. Some of the other months didn't go as well, and that's where we could go into the negatives here. Let's look at months by month, month by month, looking on baseball reference here. So April and March, opponents were hitting 193 off of him, 334 ERA. In May, 17 innings, a 1.59 ERA. But in June, he had an 8 ERA. Only 13 and a third innings. That was the least amount of innings that he pitched in any month on the year. Combined in the months of June and July, he gave up six home runs. And as a reliever, like those will stick out for sure. And it felt like there for a little bit, he was just throwing meatballs. And it just wasn't effective. So, yeah. I was talking about Robert Suarez in an earlier show. What if they had him? It felt like the Padres were really leaning on Nick Martinez there in some of those higher leverage situations. And it's like, man, what if they had Robert Suarez and Nick didn't need to be in this spot? And that's not necessarily Nick's fault. He did give up the home runs, but it's not like his fault that Suarez got hurt. He just had to be in that role. And he probably, he wouldn't say this, but maybe he was overworked a little bit. Maybe he was. But... Finished the end of the season pretty darn strong. Opponents were hitting 194 off of him there in his final eight games, his final uh, month month of the, the season. And is there a guarantee that he's back in 2024? Because there's the club option. If the Padres don't want to pick up like the $16 million club option that he has, then I think that turns into an $8 million player option. Let me double check this. I think it turns into an $8 million player option. And what if he doesn't take that? Then he'd be a free agent. And maybe he wants like 12 mil from the Padres. But maybe the Padres are like, no, we're done. I don't know. If I'm the Padres, I want Nick Martinez pitching for my team. 2024, yeah, $16 million club option. And then there's a $16 million club option for 2025 as well. They must exercise the options at the same time or decline them. So if they decline 2024, they're declining 2025 as well. If they accept it, same thing there. If the club declines those $16 million options, which I think that they would if they don't think that he's going to be a starting pitcher and they only want him to be a reliever, then those options convert to $8 million player options. And would Nick take that? Maybe he would take that I don't know if it doesn't say here that those are simultaneous. So like if he takes the player option for 24, he's taking $8 million for 25 as well. So maybe he would take that, try to build up more value and then be a free agent after 2024. Or if it doesn't work out, he can just take the player option in 2025 because he took the player option for 2024. So I think Nick's going to be back one way or the other. I'm just curious to see if, the Padres decide to take the $16 million club option and take the decision out of Nick's hands and be like, yes, you're coming back. You have to come back. Again, Nick is someone I want on the San Diego Padres. He is someone I want on this team. But Padres, they're trying to trim payroll. If they don't think that Nick is going to be starting next year, giving $16 million to a reliever, is that something that they want to do when they could be spending that on a starting pitcher? that's actually going to be a starting pitcher for them, right? Like there's risks there. Or you, or the Padres, like if they 
I, sh- I should say like there, there's a potential for wasted money there. If they give the $16 million club option to Martinez and they bring him in, they say, yeah, we'll give you a chance to start, but then he doesn't end up starting. Now you're paying like maybe double of what you would want to pay Nick Martinez if he was a reliever only, maybe even more than that. Because what is Robert Suarez making as the closer of the team? 46 divided by what, five? A little over $9 million per year. That's the AAV. So they want to give 16 mil. They want to give more to Martinez to relieve. So I think like if they pick up the club option, they better give him the opportunity to start and be the five starter or the four, whatever, and give him that opportunity like they gave Seth Lugo that opportunity. Maybe they do it because they don't really like the rest of the free agent starters or they don't want to overpay for some of the other free agent starters. And they're just like, hey, we know Nick. We know he's a team player. If this doesn't work out, we can move him to the bullpen. He, he's a starting option. Uh, we'd rather have him on our team than having to go overpay for someone that we, we're not familiar with. Maybe that's what the Padres do. But it's going to be interesting to see. Again, I want Nick back on this team for sure. All right, moving to Seth Lugo. Speaking about another guy, speaking of another guy that I want on this Padres team in 2024. Seth Lugo, a 2.8 F war in 2023, 26 games. All of them were all of them were starts. 146 in the third innings, 357 ERA, 1203 whip, 140 punch 36 walks, 19 homers, three hit by pitch. And I'm gonna admit, I was I was wrong about Seth Lugo. I had question marks. I had more question marks about Seth Lugo starting than I did with Nick Martinez. And look what Seth ended up starting all of the games. And Nick ended up starting some of them, but pitching mostly out of the bullpen. That's just the way that it shook out for this Padres team in 2023. And, uh, you know, Seth, sure, there was a calf strain and he missed time, but he didn't have any arm injuries. And credit to him, like, I thought that this was kind of just like player talk to the media in spring training. Like they were, he was being asked questions about if he thought he could start for the whole year. And even like in the middle of the season, like how are you feeling? Do you think there's going to be a limit? Is there going to be a time? And he, at least what I remember, he always was like, no, I, I I'm a starting pitcher. I, I know I can get through this season as a starting pitcher. I'm not putting, I don't want any limits on this team or on my arm. I think I can do it. And yeah, he missed some time that helped probably get him through the season, but there was no arm issues. And there were a ton of outings that he had. I mean, just go look at his game logs. I'm pulling them up. I'll pull it up right here and go through the game logs. How many six inning outings he had on this season? And you could point to his last outing of the year where he went eight and two thirds innings. I think that was like to be an. For an exclamation point to, to like really show it like to the baseball world. Last outing of the year, I'm going eight and two-thirds innings. And you didn't want to give me a contract to be a starting pitcher. You didn't want to guarantee me a spot. All these other teams, you didn't want to give me a spot as a starting pitcher. And now you're going to want me in free agency. So hopefully he takes that and gives the Padres an advantage there. But even the Padres didn't guarantee him a rotation spot for the entire year. They they guaranteed him a opportunity, an opportunity to start. They may have guaranteed him an opportunity to start at the beginning of the season, but they didn't guarantee it for the entire year. They didn't put him on the same footing as like Joe Musgrove, 
And he probably shouldn't have been because there were question marks. He hadn't been a starting pitcher since, what, 2017, 2018, something like that. But, I mean, right out of the gate, first outing. I know it was the Rockies, but seven innings, one run. Six innings, one run. There were some outings where he struggled, gave up four runs, five runs, five runs, eight runs against the Dodgers, right? And he talked about how maybe they, maybe he was tipping pitches, six runs against the Astros. But look at all these outings he went six innings. I'm going to count these up. Six plus, because there's some where he went seven. There's, some, there's one where he went eight and two-thirds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All right, I'm done counting. 17 six-plus inning outings. And the other outings that weren't six-plus innings, some of them were short. Like, there were a couple that were, like, less than four innings that were, like, blow-up outings, right? But the others were five innings or five and two-thirds, five and a third, right? Like, it wasn't, like, terrible. If he wasn't going six-plus, he was going three innings. No, that, that wasn't really the case. A couple outings, a few outings, yeah. But go look around baseball. I'm sure that there's a lot of starting pitchers that had some of those shorter outings, right? I mean, Blake Snell in years past, he goes five and a third innings, and we're like, oh, good job. You went five and a third innings. And if you had a, you know, you kept the Padres in the game, okay, good outing, right? So I was impressed. I was definitely impressed by what I saw from Seth Lugo. Another what if, I guess, in this Padre season is what if Lugo didn't go on the I.L. and miss a month with that calf strain? Padres missed the postseason by a few games. What would have happened there? Because I forget, was it Ryan Weathers or who was starting some of those games with Lugo on the shelf? Jackson Wolf, Ryan Weathers, was it those guys? What if Lugo was starting some of those? What if, you know? But I, I could bring that up with Joe Musgrove. I could bring that up with Robert Suarez like I did the other day, or I think earlier today, when I was talking about Hayter and Suarez's seasons, like what if they would have been healthy? But that also makes it seem like I'm saying, no, everything's fine. This season wasn't that bad. No, I think we can have both things. Like there's what ifs about the injuries, right? But the guys that were on the field and the guys that were there for most of the year, they still need to be better next year. There's no doubt about that. There's no excuses. They need to be better. Now, Lugo, he was one of the bright spots. Michael Waka, right? Hassan Kim, Juan Soto was okay. Not, he was better than okay. But for his standards, I think he can be better. There were guys that were good. Blake Snow, obviously. Josh Hader when he's on the mound. But as I said in uh, the last episode, episode two, uh, 493, excuse me, like I just thought he could have made himself more available. I think he could have had some more Nick Martinez in him than Josh Ch Josh Hader in him, if that makes sense, right? Uh, but, you know, Nick, someone that I want back. Lugo, someone that I want back. Now, he is a player option, um, and it's a player option that he is no way taking, unless he, like, gets hurt tonight lifting weights if he's working out already. His player option for 2024 is, like, $8 million, I think. Let me, I'm going to try to confirm that here on spot track. Player option, seven and a half. It's less than eight. Seven and a half million dollar player option. Yeah. Based off the year that he just had and how he proved that he can be a starting pitcher, 
Sure, it's one season, but it was pretty impressive. After not being a starting pitcher for years, since 2017, 2018, let me go back to his baseball reference page. I think it was 2017. Yeah, 2017, 18 starts. He made 26 this year. He made eight starts with the Mets in 16, 18 starts in 17, five starts in 18, none in 19, seven in 20. That was a short year, though, so he was probably making, like, opener starts. 36 and two-thirds innings. Um, Let's see. No starts in 21, no starts in 22, and then goes to 26 starts this year. Like, that's impressive. To me, he proved that he can be a starting pitcher. He's going to get more than $7.5 He could get, even if it's a one-year deal. I mean, look what Sean Manaya got from the Giants, right? What did he get? 12 mil from the Giants? And that's a guy that admitted to not giving his full effort with the Padres, or at least like being as disciplined as he probably needed to be. Yeah. The guy got $12.5 million. And there's a player option with a base salary. The base salary last year, excuse me, was 7.5 mil in 2023. And his player option this year is 12.5 mil. Sean I got that. You're telling me Seth Lugo can't get that? So yeah, he's opting out. Padres are going to have to pay him. They want to reduce the payroll is what it seems like. So that's where I go back to Juan Soto. You take $33 million off the books. That can give you room to bring back Seth Lugo and give him, him the money that he wants. If you want to have someone be back in the rotation, maybe gives you some room to bring back Nick Martinez, $16 million club options for 24 and 25. Michael Waka, uh, Sonny Gray. I don't think so, but that's just it. I think Sonny Gray will get less than Blake Snell. So that's why I'm throwing that name out there. Because I don't think Snell is coming back. Um, that's where you can start throwing around those names because you clear up $33 million of room. But I still don't want to do that. I want to find some more creative ways to clear up some of that salary. Or just A.J. Preller, be creative with some of the guys that you bring in. Be a great GM. Be a great president of baseball operations like some other guys around the league have been able to do when they're limited with the resources that they have and they find a way to make the playoffs almost every year somehow. Find a way. So we'll see. Lugo, impressed. Martinez, not as good of a year, I don't think, as 2022, but it's still a guy I want on this team in 2024. All right. I think that's going to do it. Talking for hours, episode 494. Talked about Juan Soto. The talk's just starting. Gold Glove finalist, Hassan Kim, Fernando Tatis Jr., and then reviewed Seth Lugo and Nick Martinez's 2023 seasons and gave some thoughts, initial thoughts here. We'll talk about it more, but some initial thoughts on what could happen in the offseason, some questions for the Padres and those two players' contracts, their futures. Reminder, code Talking Friars, $20 off your order on SeatGeek. BreakingT.com, click the link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. San Diego Wave, uh, Breaking T just released a Shield, NWSL Shield champion San Diego Wave shirt that you can go get. Um, they have, again, Padres, Aztec swag as well. Uh, if you want the San Diego Wave shirt, they also put out a Shield champion shirt as well. Limited number of shirts, I believe, available. Pre-order, so you can go to their website for that. FOCO, Padres Collectibles. Uh, bobbleheads, check them out. Link in the description for that as well. And just wanted to mention 
San Diego Loyal, they have sold out their tickets for their playoff match this coming weekend. So can't get any of those unless it's like secondary market. Um, but I just did see that tweet earlier this afternoon. They have sold out their tickets. But San Diego Wave, their semifinal match on November 5th, those tickets are not sold out. Go to their website for that. I also posted a video earlier today talking about the call-ups. San Diego Wave, Jaden Shaw, Alex Morgan, Naomi Gurma being called up for the October friendlies, which one of them is in San Diego. And you can get your tickets on the U.S. Women's National Team website for that at Snapdragon Stadium. That is going to be on October 29th. So busy month here in San Diego sports um, in October. We wish it was busier with the Padres, obviously, but there's some other good stuff going on. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you all and have a great rest of your day.